right. What's going on, everybody? Great day for a great day. We are live at the show. This is short-term high volatility investments. You already know it's the final four weekend. Uh, and my main man, co-host, the Odds Fellow, as you know him as. Talk to the good people. How are we doing today? I'm down in the vault. I got the records. And, uh, you know, this is where profits come from down here. Yeah, I mean, your aura you down there, you very like gentlemanly. Setup? I feel like we should be yeah. smoking some cigars, drinking a little scotch, talking about some hoops. At least we got one of those three, right? Well, wait till later, and I might have all three. Hey, oh, hey, okay. it's winning Wednesday I mean, engaged. <laughs> I could definitely use a little scotch based on how my March Madness bets are going, but, you know, we're having a good time. We're doing Yeah, what's best. the quick recap on how we did last week? I think we had six officials. My totals went one and one, so out of your four, we were... We were probably clinging to you. Did we get it done? Yeah, we did not get it done. Um, I think I went 0-3 and, and then 2-0. and 0. So for a 2-3 and 3 cool. weekend, coming off of like a 4-9, 4-10 weekend week one. So I've done nothing but get slaughtered in March Madness. But hey, we're all about transparency. We're all about bet by bet. We live, we bet, we die. You know, just because we lost one doesn't mean we're going to lose the next. So we're going to keep driving home that data-driven approach to hopefully combine sports plus data. And you know what that equals, Ant? That equals profit. So profit, we've got a pretty profit, good show profit. for you guys today, I like to think. Uh, talking about both games in depth, all sides. I don't know if we have officials. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Uh, but nonetheless, we've got a lot of things to to run through. So where do we want to start? Probably with State. game one. Game one, I think we go in order here, which is UNC Duke. No, do I have that backwards? I don't know. Hold on. Ugh. Big money, no whammies. I think you do. I think that's the 849 game, perhaps. 609 um, game. 609 like game is uh, is UNC Duke. And then you have the later game. It, kicking off at 849, Villanova, Kansas. So we were right. Let's start with the rematch. The rematch. Yeah. Round down, three. Right? And how do yeah. you feel? I mean, it's one and one in the series. How are, you, how are you even looking at the first two games? A win by 30 and a win by 30, both on the road. Does that come into these games? Are you using those previous matchups as something we can handicap here? It seems like the answer is no. I think I'm throwing them out. I think I'm throwing them out. I mean, look, this, these are rivalry games. You'd normally expect it to be tighter, and yep. I'd probably give you the same reaction. Throw it out, throw it out. But I think now you're going to get probably that tighter game. Um, the hard part for me, I think, just looking at it narrative-wise, is you get Duke coming in off the disappointing loss because that was not just the second game playing their ACC foe, that was Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. And they got mm. rocked, right? Now, rocked. maybe that was the emotions. Maybe that was all the guys that were there. They invited every single former player um, that's still alive. And they had a good turnout. Obviously, some of those guys are pros or in media and have other things going on. But, you know, a lot of tension in, in the air. So, I don't know. I do still kind of lean throw it out. But you'd have to think it leaves a, a taste in Duke's mouth a, a little bit, something they want to avenge. Yeah, and the, the revenge spot is always one we like. I mean, I still have those images of those wonderful Duke fans in tears. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a Duke supporter. I'm not a Duke subtractor. I'm, a, I'm the Switzerland of, of Duke fans. Uh, same with UNC. You know, I, I really don't have any feelings for either of these teams. Um, but that's going to be interesting. we got a neutral court yeah. here. What, it's in New Orleans, I think. In NOLA, and, uh, yep, in, in Louisiana. That doesn't really impact either one way or the other. So maybe we should dive into the data, man. What are you looking at here? Let's do it. So I think for me, one thing that jumped off until we go before we go into your data was just the opening of this total. 
Uh, I think it opened around 150. Right now you can find it 151. I think I saw some 151 and a halfs. Um, I lean under, you know, just as a quick and dirty pat down here. The big thing is really just kind of looking at this from a line scaling standpoint. I didn't go super deep on the totals in the game, but what was pretty telling to me was just that, you know, that that other game that ended uh, in the rematch, it was 94-81 that came at Duke, the last of the three yeah. that we just mentioned, or the last of the, uh, of the two. The total closed at 152.5. They soared over that thing, right? And now you come right back and you actually open that thing two and a half points lower. Like we said, it came up a little bit, but but for me, not enough to show that, you know, that over is getting steamed. I, I think the under is a, a strong initial look, just kind of on line mm-hmm. scaling type methodology here. So that one jumped out. And uh, I am sprinkling a, a, a little official there, probably a half unit play, but but definitely one I like because um, I think these teams are going to come out tight again, you know, to start. Yeah, and that feels good. We're seeing what? We're seeing 59% of bets on the over on the under with 50% of the money. So towards the over, we are seeing some sharp money there. 41% of bets with 50% of the money. That is from DraftKings as of today, Wednesday, March 30th. So, I, you know, we guess we can expect that to move, but that does feel good. I mean, we've seen this Notre Dame team put up 90 plus a couple times. Granted, it went to overtime on one of them, but this is a team that's scoring like crazy. And, you know, what I was looking at here is looking at March Madness only data. Uh, from Bardovic.com, where you can sort by custom date ranges, and they'll give you offensive efficiency, two-point efficiency, whatever you really want. Since March has begun, and since March Madness has begun, guess who the number one team in the country is? UNC. And that was something that was was really surprising to me. And trying to handicap this game a little bit, you know, Duke is at 18 within that. Um, oh, we just lost Ant for audio only. That's okay. Uh, but Duke is 18 within that time frame within March, and. You know, what I don't like to see is that what Duke does well, score points, <clears throat> according to, there he is, uh, according to, to UNC, <clears throat> the defense is what they do well. We've got offensive UNC at 24th uh, over that time frame. We've got UNC defense at 5th, kind of the inverse for Duke, 5th offensively, 114th defensively. I mean, quick ocular pat down, one of those things is not like the other, and that is the Duke defense. Uh, and that is that is something that I thought was a pretty big concern. At. You think they can lock it down on D, or... We should be concerned once again. That's what they've had trouble with, right? Even during this tournament, I think they dug themselves in a couple holes. Um, so I think you you definitely can be a little bit concerned. I think for me, it's just the other side of the coin of, is this offense rolling too much right now? And is there too much talent on it to not get going, right? But uh, I think not surprising that you said UNC is the top-ranked team in this tournament. I would argue they came in pretty hot as well, even the way they played during the, uh, the ACC tournament and that final game against Duke, you know, really kind of turning it up. Um, from a team perspective, to get going at the right time and right. get all the way into this final four spot that they're in today. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I wanted to try to figure out because, you know, we got UNC beating Marquette. You know, who cares? We got UNC beating St. Peter's. You know, a little bit of a who cares. We've got UNC beating UCLA, was number 17th ranked within this time frame. But with Johnny Juzang kind of losing his way a little bit, uh, you know, you had Jaime Jaquez with a, a sprained ankle. He obviously played out of his mind no matter what. But, you know, I think we were a little bearish on that opponent as well. Baylor was also a little banged up. Everybody had Baylor as the number one seed to go down first, and they did. You know, how much of that is UNC playing fantastic basketball versus teams just simply underperforming a little bit? Even in the St. Peter's spot, right? We probably all expected the regression and the smack to come at some point. I personally right. thought it was going to happen the game before against Purdue, and Purdue didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. The the Peacocks controlled things. St. Peter's hung tight. 
right from the beginning, you could tell that St. Peter's was finally kind of off their game a little bit. Was that the guard play and the length and the athleticism of UNC? Maybe. Was it just the bound for regression, St. Peter's playing above their board, you know, for some amount of time? Maybe. Um, but I think you're right to question a little bit of, of the road that UNC has had to get here, right? Right. And, you know, I think it's interesting here with UCLA, again, within this time frame that we're looking at, March, March Madness, only UCLA number 17, Duke number 18. So almost a direct corollary there. Interesting against Baylor and against UCLA. The X factor, I thought, seemingly was rebounds. UNC had nine more rebounds than Baylor in that game. That's essentially... A lot more second-chance points. Same with UCLA. Nine more rebounds in that one as well. We look into Duke. How are they at rebounding? Not great. Offensively, pretty fine. You know, they were 152 in March Madness, 111th on the season. So whatever on the season above average in the tournament. Uh, but defensively, that that's a complete inverse, right? We've been talking about this team losing it on defense through the ACC tournament, obviously losing to Virginia Tech, coming into March Madness. That was the big X factor there. On the season, they were number 21 defensively uh, in terms of opponent rebounds per game. In the tournament, they're 142nd. So this is something that Mar- that, that that this UNC team has done great all March Madness. Get those second half, uh, get those second chance points. If they can limit Duke on those, you know those extra possessions are going to be huge. And, and UNC doesn't turn the ball over that much. And it's not like Duke is again great at defense to cause those turnovers. So that's how much a of that bit of a concern. You, when you look at some of those numbers, how much of that do you take into account? Duke's path and some of the teams they've played here, which maybe you could argue, you know on the whole are a little bit tougher than, than the UNC path. Yeah. And you know, an interesting juxtaposition looking at season stat rankings again, versus March only season stats. We see some very good teams. They played Texas tech obviously is the class of, of who they've played in March only standings. We have CS Fullerton at 83rd Michigan state at 30 Texas tech at fourth and Arkansas at 32nd, even though they knocked off number one, Gonzaga, um, you know, the data doesn't lie. We're talking about offensive defensive efficiency for, for a number. And again, that's March only for anybody watching here. So, you know, obviously Texas tech is the most interesting corollary here. And with UNC being ranked number one over that time frame. And I'm still not sure how Duke won that game. If I'm being honest with you, and Duke was out rebounded by four. Texas tech had 12 offensive rebound. Duke had more turnovers. So it's like all of the metrics that seemingly matter didn't. Big X factor in that game, Texas Tech shot 55% from the line, and Duke had eight more free throws. Duke wins by, what, four? I think it was four. So there's your game right there. No, I think it might have even been a little bit more. It was because it was the game I live bet, and then somehow they covered. They covered the pregame flop, but it was like— Six and a half, maybe? Yeah, so six and a half. They think they won by seven or they won by eight, but it was stretching it out, free throws. 78-73 final. Yeah, so I'm thinking about the Michigan State game. But in both these games, you had— Duke kind of down late, struggling late, and then really got going, could get a bucket when they needed it. So pretty telling. Big time. And, you know, that's the beauty of having, you know, Dwa NBA first-round lottery picks on the squad. Paolo, if he gets hot at any point, is going to be an absolute, absolute menace. And, and that should cause a lot of trouble for, for UNC. But I don't know. It's yeah. one of those things where everybody talks about you need good guard play. Look at, you know, Cardiac Kemba back during his run. You know, look at uh, Carmelo taking over for the Syracuse run. You know, the list is endless with NBA stars who get hot in uh, in March Madness, and Paolo seems to fit that mold. And, and that's one of those things that data all of a sudden out the window. Dude gets hot. He goes off. You know, even a chick gets hot. We look at Paige Beckers in the UConn game the other night. What, she was 4 for 4 in overtime for 15 points? Like, 
yeah, she's good, but handicapping that small sample size is, is simply impossible. And that's one of the ones where here I'm like, I think all the data points to UNC at plus four, plus four and a half, wherever it is. I agree with the over. I think you like the over, right? As you said. Under. We're going low. Oh, you like the under. Low. Interesting. I, I don't know if I agree with that. We'll have to circle back <laughs> on that later this week. Perhaps a martini bet of the week. We'll see. Uh, I think I'm up three to one in those right now in terms That's of right. martinis. And anybody listening, that is additive. So he doesn't owe me two. He owes me three. I owe him one because yeah. it's a great day for a great day. And we love we're all enjoying. Martinis. We're all enjoying the martinis. Yeah, we're having a good time. You know, and it's one of those things that I, I don't have an official pick on this yet. Will I later this week? I think so. But right now I'm leaning UNC. I'm leaning towards the dogs because I think the data points that way. Yeah, I definitely don't think I would pull the trigger. I, I lean pulling the trigger there at four and a half. Uh, is it four or four and a half right now? Four and a half? Uh, I think it's four or four and a half. What yeah. is it? I don't know. It was four and a half when we started the show. So Both these games uh, are pretty close, yeah. so I'm, But I, I do kind of lean UNC pre-flop. Yeah. Um, if anything, for me, if I don't bet it that way and tell you on any officials, I will probably be looking to get some in-game angles here. I think this could be a game for you, again, with that taste in the mouth does do come out a little bit slow. Do they come out a little bit tight? Um, trying to account for that blowout loss, you know, that they had at Cameron. And then do they get going late? Because you haven't really seen them lead, the, especially these last couple of games from start to finish, right? They've been right. in some tough spots. They've been in some holes and they've come back and won. So there's been value on Duke late against Michigan State and against Texas Tech. You could end up getting a similar story here um, based on the talent alone. And like you said, those top guys get going. They probably have five first round draft picks five nba ready guys and right. there's not other teams in the nation you can say that for yeah i agree and you know last but not least here obviously we looked at uh you know uh, adjusted efficiency stats versus spread um that analysis says that this line as sharp as can be maybe lean a little bit towards the underdog but it's right squarely in the if this was a regular season tuesday there's not a chance i'd be playing it and i'd be watching it as a spectator so quick reminder to everybody listening march madness is just another series of games bet responsibly one unit at a time i got smoked in round one and round two but that's okay because we're still up 125 units over the course of three years um, and you still have three martinis so let's and I still have speaking three martinis. of <laughs> a, a, a time in the evening at 8 39 maybe 840 could be a late tip if the uh, duke mm -hmm. unc game stretches on they'll obviously hold this thing back but right now it's slated for 839 you got villanova uh the two seed against kansas the one seed uh so two teams that probably a lot of people expected to be here um kansas minus four and a half total 133 i do also have an official on this one but let's start with you anything jumping out uh, well, yeah, if we start with the adjusted efficiency to spread ratio, we're looking at a hammer to Kansas. Um, but that spread's inflated because Justin Moore's hurt for, out for the season. So very tough, very tough. That's to, a lot to of uncertainty for me, right? Yeah. Obviously, that should be a lot of uncertainty for you, for everybody on this planet. Justin Moore here, he's averaging 14. 0.8 points per game, second most on the team. He's averaging 34.6 minutes per game, the most on the team. Do they have depth for sure? I mean, it's Villanova. They usually are pretty deep. Um, top of my head, I'm not sure who's going to be replacing those minutes, but a lot of minutes to replace, a lot of points to replace. Um, how do we – I mean, I think that's why the line is what it is, right? These teams are right next to each other in terms of offensive efficiency, only one point differential, which is pretty much as small as it gets. Uh, so for a four-and-a-half-point line, that's in seemingly strong. But I don't know if that tells the whole story. Yeah, I think it's really tough. Like you said, you just there's, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, 
Villanova looked really good most of that Houston game. Some could argue, based on the shooting performance, um, they shouldn't be here. But sure. some would argue that was their defense, right? So who knows? There right. was there have been some awful shooting performances during this tournament, so I don't think you can take anything for granted. But Yeah, that I, Houston w- defense, right? I mean, right. give credit where credit's due. Uh, number eighth, according to Ken Baum, adjusted defense in the league. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that, that gets into my data a little bit. I mean, when you just look at who these two teams have played during the tournament, you know, I think it's telling that that the toughest game Villanova had offensively, scoring 50 points, right, in, in a 50 mm-hmm. to 44 victory was against Houston. But Houston's right. the eighth ranked adjusted defense, I think. Um, yeah. I don't know how they are. How are they on? And how is Houston in the March data? Um, let me see if I still have that tab open because I was not looking specifically at that. Give me two <laughs> no, seconds. That's, Here that's we fine. go. Houston, they were number like... five. Uh, overall and yeah. adjusted offensive efficiency 19th defense efficiency 21st uh let's see here more importantly two point percentage offensively 49th three point percentage 94th what did they go in that game one for 20 and one for 20 no bueno that is what is a good old-fashioned whammy if we had some sort of camera effects here that would flash right across the screen uh, and, and really interestingly enough, bro, that, that handicap, I was obviously on Houston for a big fat loser, uh, minus three and a half, whatever it was. Um, but the handicap there was very similar to the ISU versus Miami handicap where ISU plays fantastic perimeter defense, but Miami doesn't shoot the three very well, nor do they take that many threes similar with Houston. Obviously Houston comes out and then fires 20 from beyond the arc. Seems like Jay Wright obviously had them consolidate in the paint and hope they miss. And they did. Um, that's but that's super defense. interesting that's yeah, defense. for sure. But you look at who Villanova has played in this tournament um, and, you know, maybe more importantly, how they have since shot. I'm all over the place with my tabs here. Give me two seconds. Yeah, so they've played in order Michigan and going backwards, right? The Houston victory, then Michigan, then Ohio State, and then the University of Joe Flacco, a.k.a. Delaware, the fighting blue hens in the first round. Yep, and uh, the Delaware Fighting Hens, they shoot 15% from three. OSU shoots 31.8. Michigan shoots 33.3, and Houston shoots 5% from three. And this is a Nova team that's number 27th in the country in opponent three-point percentage. Mm So uh, both of those, OSU and Michigan, I believe, was below season average. Um, so they've, they, you know, they did their job the entire time. And that's where I think this gets interesting, right? Because the handicap against Houston was that they can't shoot threes. So that perimeter defense isn't going to matter. Kansas here does shoot well from three. They're number 78th in the country and overall, uh, three point percentage at 35.5. Uh, but they're also great in, in the inside number 37th in the country in terms of two point percentage at 53.8. So that's a, a dynamic that Houston didn't necessarily have. The question is, will it matter? Yeah, well, I'll give you even another interesting similarity between these two. They both played Creighton recently, right? Mm-hmm. So Kansas plays Creighton uh, in the second round. They win the game. It was a little tighter than they probably expected. I think at halftime it was 39-38. That total was set at 140.5. It ended up going over by 10.5 points. Yep. So you're in the 151 range. Um, but when you take a step back and look at how Creighton shot during that game, Compared to the Big East final, when mm-hmm. they lost fifty-four to forty-eight in a rock fight against Villanova at the Garden, we're we're sensing a trend shot, here of under right, ninety-five so, and a half yeah, alternative we're lines. Keep keep grinding, right? <laughs> Creighton in that Big East final game shot three for twenty-nine for a whopping ten percent from three, so slightly Ooh. better than Houston, right? But way worse than some of those teams in the low low to mid thirties, right? In the same game, 
I don't know, in a matchup against Kansas in that second round, they shot 12 for 28 for 43%. I mean, that's a huge discrepancy, right, in terms of the offensive performance from Creighton. So, again, you look at it compared to these two things, and it's another example where maybe you do get less of that, you know, same efficiency shooting the ball from three for Kansas against mm-hmm. the Villanova defense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting, right? You look at who they played in the tournament here. Texas Southern, Kansas shoots 47.8% from three. Creighton, 37.5, you were just talking about. Uh, Miami in the Elite Eight, 35.7. But Providence, two for 14, 14.3%. Guess what Providence is ranked against the three-pointer? Number 24th in the league in terms of opponent three-point percentage. What is Nova? 27th. So if anybody's going to get it done and limiting them from three, you'd think it's the team that's ranked exactly the same as the team that literally just got it done against the three. But then again, here we go again. Justin Moore, pretty big defender. Again, 34.6 minutes per game. How much of that is impacted? And that is just such That's probably my... My biggest fear, biggest X factor right now is how he affects things defensively, right? right. And what else happens here? Um, that's a little bit harder to measure, quantify, at least with the stats and data, you know, you and I talk about and we're, and I've been looking at. But I am taking the under here. I mean, I think a lot of the things we've rattled off lean that way. You you look at a total that's set down that low with two teams that are this good, you know, down at 133, that matches the, the lowest total from the Elite Eight, which was that Miami... I guess the Sweet 16, that Miami-Iowa State game, I think closed around the same mark, 133, 133.5. It actually closed a little bit lower, around 131. And those teams collectively scored even less. I think it was like 125 or 126 points in that game. And you look at what Villanova has done this entire tournament, right? So the four games that they've played, um, they've given up uh, 44 to Houston, the 10th-ranked offense, 55 to Michigan, the 22nd-ranked defense, 61 mm-hmm. to Ohio State, the 13th-ranked offense, and 60 to Delaware, the 95th-ranked offense. So, you know, that Delaware game was a bit of a blowout. Um, for for Nova, that was the only game that went over. Both teams are 3-1 and one to the under uh, during this range. I think Nova has really proven to lock teams down and give fits but it's not like they're scoring in 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 waves either right and i think that kansas defense still comes in ranked uh adjusted 18th um on defense so they're actually just kind of right behind villanova from the ranking standpoint but you might have all the good factors at play here right i think even if i'm a little bit concerned about more on defense i don't think they are going to have enough to replace all of his offensive efficiency and output so i think you you get a little bit back there and when you see a number like this this low um, you know, it, it could be tight. It's probably razor sharp, but I still lean under and I'm probably going to play the first half under too, um, and try to double down there and, and, and get both positions, um, in both spots. Cause I think the first half might be even a little bit slower when you look at the way Kansas has started in the first half. In some of these games, they were down six to Miami. They only scored 29. They were up nine versus Providence, but they only scored 26. Uh, again, a bit of a first half rock fight there. And they right. were up one versus Creighton scored 39. A lot of that was the pace that Creighton was was dictating. And the one thing I want to end on here before kicking it back to you is what I just said, pace. Pace is key. Creighton, I think, came in from a pace standpoint as as I was comparing that Creighton and uh, Nova team. Um, I can't find it specifically. I think they were in the, the 181st, right, in pace. Sure. So slow, but they were still pushing the mark. Maybe that was game plan against Kansas, what Dougie McDermott's father had, had dreamt up, and they were firing from three and, and making a lot of them. But 181st compared to Nova's 345th in the nation 
in adjusted tempo. This team wants to slow you down. They will let uh, Gillespie slow you down. And you think they're they're going to do less of that without more and those points on the floor? I think it's going to be even slower uh, mm-hmm. from a Villanova standpoint. So it has to be. It right? has to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Right. You know, you got adjusted offense here, Kansas seven, defense eighteen, Villanova nine and seventeen. So very, very similar. Usually I'd be like, hell yeah, same stats, take the points. But Justin Moore is not playing. I think right. and you know, again, the my my efficiency to spread ratio is popping off the charts with Kansas. The money splits, what do we have on that? I think also big time, actually towards Villanova. Interesting. Um, which is pretty interesting. 29% of bets are on Villanova, 52% of money. Of course, that's only Wednesday. A lot more is going to change. Stay tuned. We can post more of those splits as the yeah, week comes Saturday on. Saturday morning, Friday night, open up the floodgates. That that Those dollars are pouring in, right? Yeah. And, you know, like Joe Public's been doing fine this tournament. Yeah. You know, there hasn't been any glaring splits of Sharp versus not. Um, you know, I guess my biggest question is how many more teams can I bet on that decide to shoot one for 20 from three. And that seems to be every game so far. Every team, like even the Gonzaga loss that I had in the first half, they came back and won by 30 in the second half. They shot like 40% from the line in the first half against the 16 seed. It's like, you know, what you, you know, should do is you should, you should lock in your bet, but then hedge on the under three point props that are available. And that way, you know, you're, you're protected. It's like, it's like better. It's going to be a barrage of three pointers, yeah. of course. That's right. <laughs> and that's okay, right? We're going to keep pushing forward here. I think, gun to my head, I'm going to be on Kansas minus four and a half. I think too much uncertainty with Justin Moore out. 15 points a game when they're already only scoring 50, 50, 50 points a game. That is going to be huge. Uh, and plus 34.6 minutes. Where are those going to be coming from? Their bench is good, but is it Justin Moore good? I don't know. Um, has the line moved too much? I think that becomes the question. But. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about just about every side. Yeah, man, and two unders for me. I'm, I'm going to be on the under 151. I'm going to look for that 151 and a half if I can find it, yeah. and I'm going to lock in the 133, especially because I've already seen some 132.5s that might be flowing okay. out there. So Juicy two unders, and- go low. I root against scoring. I want tight, scary college kids that uh, are the moment is too big for them, and they can't score, and the games are close, and let's do that. That's All awesome. right, and then maybe Ant, and I'm going off the cuff here. Martini bet of the week brought to you by Hendrix of Vinergen. <laughs> I want the over in the Duke game. Okay. All right. You so in? I gotta I gotta put money and martinis on it, and I will do money that. Money and martinis, M and M's, baby. Right. Add in the peanuts, and we're eating good all week. What is that line there? That's 150. You want to lock it at 150? That's a that's a 151. Do you have a 150? Um, I don't know. Let me pull DraftKings and FanDuel right now, and we will see. DraftKings, where are you? I will check some Either of the uh, questionable offshore accounts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I've got 151. We'll take 151 Let's minus 110. I'm on the over for a filthy martini, three olives, preferably blue cheese stuffed, but I'll yep. be fine if they're not. Yep. Yep, yep. All right, Let's that's a wrap. So that's two official picks for Ant. He's on the under and the under, 151 and 133. Uh, I don't have an official pick yet. I'm looking at that Kansas minus 4.5. I'm leaning towards UNC plus 4. Stay tuned on Twitter for those. And we've got our official martini bet of the week, sponsored by Hendricks, a finer gin, uh, at the over versus the under in that Duke game. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. This was, this always will be. This forever is short-term high volatility investments. Good luck this weekend. Cheers, all. Thank you.